an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of infinite scrolling vertical video, which is happening to you whether you like it or not. Not on Tumblr. It's just been the theme of the week. There's like two two social medias that don't do it yet. Yeah, it was Twitter, <laughs> which can't do anything. And Tumblr. Which can't do anything. <laughs> the two least innovative social media platforms have not yet pivoted to They're TikTok. just out there like, we're boring. Yeah. Love it. Everyone else, YouTube. Tumblr's still out here. They're like, do you like a slideshow? Can I interest you in a gallery of, <laughs> of images? Has Pinterest figured out how to make money yet? No. no. That's, yeah. a whole, that's a whole can of worms. Pinterest has all the exact same ideas as everybody else, except that they can't make any money off of them. Because they're nice, and there's no money in like being nice. And so this is the, this is the problem of, of Pinterest. But they're not nice. Pinterest is the worst one. All right. Here's the story. This has been a test for every social person we've ever hired. The Verge has 1.3 million followers on Pinterest. <laughs> 7 million people look at our Pinterest every month. Wow. And we do nothing. Like, it's just, if, so if you can figure out what to do with our Pinterest and how to turn it into money, send me a note. Send me a TikTok. Send me a Pinterest pin with your <laughs> ideas and we'll talk. But I will tell you, for 11 years, we've been like, what should we do with our Pinterest? And these poor these poor people who interview are like, we don't know. <laughs> and then we just move on to the next thing. And then Pinterest says that's how we feel and hires them, I'm sure. That's that's how it is. Right now, what we're doing, what it looks like. Um, you can follow people on Pinterest? <laughs> Alex. I hate it so much. Are you a Pinterest fan? Please call David Pierce personally. Yeah. Um, He'll love it. And we should, we'll do a whole Vergecast segment on people and their Pinterest. By the way, we haven't introduced ourselves. I'm Neil. I'm your friend. David Pierce is here. Hi. I'm, I'm your friend who is just DMing you Pinterest pins all day. That's <laughs> me. And Alex Kranz is here. I'm your friend who hates Pinterest the most. Just like yelling in bars about Pinterest. Just hate it. Get off of Pinterest, Katie. I hate you. Stop using it. Don't send me your boards. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't care about the furniture. I won't be able to buy it. So why are you sending it to me? You're just sending me like a link to another link to another link. And it I'm is, in hell. Pinterest is a recursive link nightmare. Yeah, it's the worst. Every time I'm like, I want to get some cute eyeshadow. Nope. Do you ever Google something and then the first result is a Pinterest link? Yes. And then the Pinterest link leads you like legitimately back to like a Google shopping result. Yes. And suddenly like it's there's just like the internet's black hole comes and I'm just sh- swallows I'm you. I'm fairly confident this is how we get 7 million views a month on our Pinterest. And <laughs> of those, 1.3 million have been like, I like this experience enough to hit follow. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know why. So if you, can, if you can figure it out, just like let me know because we've been wondering for a while. We'll take pitches. We'll run the pitches on the Vergecast. Here's what you should do with your pitch. Well, maybe it's a horrible idea. No, it's a beautiful <laughs> idea. Really reconsider that in the middle of saying it. <laughs> Uh, this is what the Vergecast hotline is for. 866-Verge11. Call us and tell us how to fix Pinterest. <laughs> I'm in. I will do this. All right. There's a lot of news this week. Meta, it's funny because the Wednesday show, Alex Heath was on to talk about Land of the Giants and Meta and Instagram turning in TikTok. And since Wednesday, we're recording this on Thursday. It's going to go out on Friday. But since Wednesday, there's been infinity more news about TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> like, just the most. So we got to talk about all of that. Meta had earnings. Mark Zuckerberg is yelling at everybody. Gary from Chicago. World of pain for Gary. Oh, Gary. It's actually earnings week. So Microsoft had earnings. Apple had earnings. Alphabet, the band formerly known as Google, had earnings. Comcast, broadband subscribers are flat. Peacock isn't growing. They say they have content problems, which is a very confident thing to say. Like the problem with Peacock is the content. <laughs> yeah. Right. Spotify. So we got to talk about all that. And we got some gadgets to talk about. Let's start with Meta and this Instagram situation. Because we started the week with a big Alex Heath, David Pierce feature on Mark Zuckerberg just telling everyone that they're lazy and they, they should work harder, get out. And it was kind of unclear, like, in what direction. Like, if you work in sales marketing at Meta, like, I'm not sure what you're supposed to take away from that instruction. Like, Meta's a huge company. They've hired, like, 40,000 people in a yeah. pandemic. And he's like, realistically, some of you shouldn't be here. <laughs> Which is the thing he said at an all-hands meeting. <laughs> Alex and I run the staff meeting for The Verge for 100 people every week. Yeah. And, like, I've never taken a formal how-to-run-a-staff meeting, like, class. But I would say instinctively I know that one thing you should not say is, realistically, some of you should not be here. I, I've definitely had... CEOs say that at companies <laughs> I've worked at. Just like some of you, you know, you should just quit. It'll be easier for you. And you're like, what? It's not a it's not a good thing to hear from your boss, especially when your boss is Mark Zuckerberg. The god emperor of Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> like, not good. But I will say, we talked a bunch about this in the run-up to the story. And the story after it got published got exactly the reaction we were hoping for, which is that a lot of people, like the vast majority of people are like, that is ridiculous. Facebook is a bad product. Meta is a bad company. Mark Zuckerberg is a bad guy. Everybody's very mad at everybody. And then there were a bunch of people who read this stuff where Mark is like frustrated at how sort of soft the company has gotten and he's mad that he can't get people to have meetings. And there are a lot of people who read this stuff and are like, yeah, I kind of get where Mark's coming from. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like, there's just enough of that. Like, yeah, he might not be totally wrong here. Like, I don't think you say that on a staff meeting with your 77,000 employees. Well, you do like, <laughs> if you're Gary. Right. So the meaning yes. of the story is this opening anecdote that Alex had. Which and I feel bad for Gary because the question's pre-recorded. So Zuckerberg gives this entire speech about everyone needs to work harder, focus up. Some of you got to get out of here. We're tightening the performance reviews. And then the first pre-recorded question is Gary from Chicago, and his question is: Are we going to have extra vacation days next year? Because we had extra vacation days in the pandemic. And Zuck is like, you can probably guess how this is going to go. Like, that's what he says. He says, you can assume from my tone how this is going to go. And he canceled the extra vacation days. <laughs> and I just feel bad for Gary. Like, he didn't know. He had no idea. If someone had told him before he pre-recorded his question. But then the people who, like, played the pre-recorded question also could have picked a different one. 
Yeah, Gary from Chicago got kind of hung out to dry on that <laughs> Gary one. Gary from Chicago had some enemies. I've known a lot of Garys from Chicago. I used to live in Chicago. <laughs> I know a lot of Gary. I get it. I get that city is not about. You know, when you move to New York, everyone talks about work all the time. This is an yeah. experience everybody has in New York. You move from anywhere else in the country, you get in New York, and then suddenly everyone, all they talk about is work. That yes. is the heartbeat of the city. Chicago is mostly about finding a friend with a boat so that you can hang out in the playpen on Lake Michigan in the summer. Like, that's most, it's like, what bar are we going to? What are the drinks like at that bar? Do you have a friend with a boat? I lived there for a long time. <laughs> it was the... That was the circle of my social life. <laughs> so I feel Gary very deeply. He just wants to be out on the boat, using his meta days, having a good time. I never actually ended up with a friend with a boat. Maybe because I was so aggressive about wanting a friend with a boat. <laughs> you, sir, do you have a boat? I feel like <laughs> personality-wise, like you're the friend with the boat. I, see, that's like. really the like, problem. That's, yeah. that's like a job you had in your circle of friends. Is everybody was like, which one of us needs to get a boat? And they were all like, it's definitely Neelai. And you just like never quite got well, the Well, I moved out of Chicago. I had to yeah. start paying New York City rents, man. <laughs> <laughs> Things change. So Mark gives this big speech at the All Hands. You got to shape up. We ran a story. I think it was very good. David helped write it. Mike Isaac ran a story at the Times of a memo that was like tightening our culture. Same kind of deal. Inside Facebook, Zuck's turning up the heat. The next day is earnings. Meta's earnings are going down. Remarkable stat in our story and just in general. Apple turning on app tracking transparency. The Ask app to track button cost Facebook $10 billion, Oof. which is the exact amount of money that Mark has spent on Facebook Reality Labs, the metaverse division. So, like, literally the thing zeroed out. He was like, I got an extra 10 bill. I'm going to spend it on VR and build the next platform. And Apple is like, what if you didn't have that money? <laughs> so, like, you know, enormous pressure on Facebook to survive the current moment so they can execute on the big pivot to the metaverse. The results are down. TikTok looms, right? People are switching from Instagram and Facebook to TikTok. And Zuck says in the earnings call, we're going to put even more algorithmic content in the feed. We're gonna, right now it's 15%. It's going up to 30 And then the Kardashian chaos. That was the two Ks, by the way. The Kardashian <laughs> chaos. <laughs> no. Takes place. Kylie Jenner says make Instagram make Instagram again, which is a meme that's floating around. Kim Kardashian retweets it. Or repost it, and then Adam Masseri has to make a video where he explains to you in the exact tone of voice I used to tell my four-year-old that it's time for bed, that it's not going away. And then today, right before he came on air, actually they walked it all back. Masseri sat down for an interview with our friend Casey Newton, which is published on The Verge, uh, and they're, they're walking it all back for a minute, and then they're going to do it again. I love it. Yeah, the, the clear thing here is like the direction has not changed, right? There's the thing where... Instagram walked it back and it seemed for a minute like it was like, oh, if Kylie Jenner doesn't like what you're doing on your platform, you change what you're doing on your platform, which is like a thoroughly non-crazy way to run your platform. <laughs> like if you make Kylie Jenner happy, like odds are you're going to make an awful lot of money over time. But they're very much in on this idea that like Reels is everything, full screen video, it's the future, it's the whole thing. Adam Masseri was basically just like the way we built this was bad and everybody hated it and the usage data. And that was the crucial thing he said, like, this company is very good at weathering criticism, right? Like everybody who works at Meta has spent the better part of 20 years like listening to people talk about how awful the product is and just sort of laughing hysterically all the way to the bank. But what happened this time is it sounds like people hated the changes they were making and thus stopped using the product. And that is the thing that is going to immediately make 
Instagram and Facebook, like turn on a dime and do something else. Misery said to Casey, people are frustrated and the usage data isn't great. <laughs> it's very much on the like, the food's horrible and the portions are small. Right? Like, yeah, it's nothing about this is good. You don't like it. So we're turning it off. But even on the same interview, he said to Casey, hey, this is still where we're going. We're going to figure it out and we're going to come back again with another shot. And he framed it. Again, Adam, Adam's been on Decoder. Adam's great. We know Adam. His tone in a lot of this stuff is like, you need a timeout. It's fine. I understand you're upset. I'm listening. I hear you. But we're still going to turn the whole app into video. And that, that's, you know, because I'm your dad. And like, this is just like very, very direct. Casey asked, like, is there a vision for Instagram? Masseri was like, yeah, we still, you know, it's to make the most engaging social media app. It's to make money. Yeah. Like, like that's just his, I don't know. I keep thinking about all the algorithms that they're pushing out here now, right? Like, like part of the, the hatred for this was, yes, it was the full video and everybody hated the video. But it was also they were using algorithms to, like, thrust this in front of people's faces when people were like, I just want to look at pics of my friends. And they're ignoring the fact that repeatedly people are like, hey, you know what I don't want? A bunch of garbage. I don't want to watch the people like pour paint on something and then say, now it's glass. Like <laughs> like all, all the crap that we saw on Facebook all these years, they went and they started doing it on Instagram and then were shocked that everybody was upset. And it's like, yes, because you've already done this. You ruined the blue app that way. And, and now you're going to just do it again. You're not learning from any of your mistakes. The core thing, and I'm curious how you two feel about this, his thesis is the way people communicate is changing and now it's all video. And even if we did nothing, this is like his quote from his video, even if we did nothing, we see that video is rising in the app. And that's people's native format. And it's like maybe, but like also you're in charge of the app. So if you start nudging people into video, you're going to goose the slider on video in a way that you cannot like account for or control for. And I just, I don't know that it is true that Suddenly, a bunch of people who built their businesses on Instagram, like Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian, woke up one day and like, you know what? Video is my native format. They built businesses on this platform. And this is true of YouTube. If you just like zoom out and look at YouTube, I always say this. Every YouTube creator eventually makes a video about how mad they are at YouTube. And it's because the sands of YouTube shift beneath your feet. And you have to go from making prank videos to like making kid content to doing like six-hour live streams becoming a UFC fighter like yeah. like you just have to like change with the algorithm in a way that is not sustainable or does not reward passion and it feels like that moment for Instagram is here but instead of the algorithm is going to reward different subjects different things they're like actually you, you built a photo sharing business and now it's TikTok and I, I just don't think anybody's ready for it I think that's right and it's it's why it's a bigger change because like to your point everybody gets mad on YouTube but YouTube is like feels solvable to creators in a way that it's like there was that great uh i think it was a taylor loren story about all the creators who started making videos about the amber heard johnny depp trial yeah. uh and just very nakedly were like i'm just going to pivot back to the thing that i'm doing but this is how i'm going to get a lot of views i'm going to get it in the partner program it's like it is a puzzle to be solved and a game to be won and it can be very frustrating in that sense but it's at least like you sort of understand the field that you're playing on and like Instagram and Facebook have just like changed the sport that you're playing every three years for its entire existence. And it gets, it, it's just got to be exhausting. And it's like, okay, there was a certain like 
kind of photo. And then it was like, oh, the, everybody likes the galleries. And then it was the stories. And then it was like, and now it's reels. And like, it'll be something else eventually. And it's just like, I can't imagine just constantly having the rug pulled out from you like that over and over and over again as a person trying to figure out how to like build a business on this platform. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the underlying story of the creator economy. It's like, on the one hand, it is very frustrating. On the other hand, lots of people have figured out how to make a lot of money doing it. So yeah, so it goes. But fundamentally, it's every so often the platform that you think is the most stable platform in your life becomes the least stable. So you actually, every creator that I've ever talked to is like, I need to be diversified. I need an audience on all the platforms because if YouTube goes sideways, I'll have Instagram. And when Instagram goes sideways, I'll have TikTok. And when TikTok goes sideways, I'll pivot back to YouTube. And it's like, that sounds exhausting. And I understand why all of you have turned <laughs> out. Like, yeah, that's the game. Moseria said a thing that I thought was really interesting. They were talking about the friends and family thing. And he said basically that all of the like friends and family, people talking to people they know activity on Instagram has shifted to DMs and group chats. And he was saying like, more photos and videos are shared in DMs in a day than are shared into stories. And more photos and videos are shared into stories in a day than are shared to feed. Yeah. Uh, which is wild. So it's actually like the pub, the thing we think of as Instagram, like the the public, you know, nine squares on the screen Instagram is actually like the least important Instagram at this point for most people. That's fascinating to me on a bunch of levels. And also then it's like, okay, if nobody cares about the feed anymore, let's just turn the feed into like a money pile for everyone involved. And it's like cynical as all hell, but it sort of makes sense. And then on the other side, he's like, well, we, we don't have any control over how people use the app. <laughs> and that just always makes me think of like, there was this story about Gawker media. Uh, I have no idea if it's true, but it feels true. So I, I have always thought of it ever since where they did an experiment where they would change the size of the text box and see how long people would write based on how big the text box was on the page when you were writing something <laughs> in the CMS. And, and they found that there was like a measurable difference that like, if you give people a tiny text box, they will write less. And if you give them a big one, they will write more to fill the text box. And it's just like, that does that's feel true. All, I have no idea if that's true. I was like, that feels, the I don't either, true, but like I, I heard it from people who are trustworthy enough that I like believe it enough to buy into it. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that if you're making a product like Instagram, you make 150,000 decisions like that every single day. And so the idea that they have no control over how people use Instagram is just a crock of shit. <laughs> and people always say it, and it kind of makes me angry. It is true, by the way. I, don't, I, I will post to stories like once in a while, and in, like putting something on the grid for me is like, ooh, that's going to last forever. You're a big close friends user. I've noticed that recently. Yeah, I try to keep my. Like, it's an honor to be in the in the group. Here's by the way. what I here's here's my social media personalities. Like Twitter is like all spiky bracelet. I'm mad at you. Break him up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, Instagram, public Instagram. You know, just want to be a little human. Want to cultivate some people who recognize I'm not a monster all the time. And close friends is like total schmoop ball. Like, you know, <laughs> and then and then my LinkedIn is just like ice cold business. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't, it's right up there with Pinterest for me. I don't know what happens there. LinkedIn is where you tell made up inspirational stories about people who hired who went on to massive success. Yeah, that's, that's what it's, that's what LinkedIn is for. <laughs> I knew David as an intern. Uh, he has skills in web design. Boop. <laughs> Uh, some other meta news that we absolutely should talk about. Uh, very relevant to it's like Verge stuff more so than the behavioral connotations of the Instagram text box. The metaverse seems like it's in a weird zone. So the MetaQuest 2, which I always say this because I think it's important to give credit where credit is due. The MetaQuest 2 is a great product. Yes. It's yes. complete. I have one hanging behind me. Uh, I love it. It's, Wonderful. It's like a finished product with an actual app ecosystem. 
it's it's just a good product. It is also two years old, and they are raising the price by one hundred dollars, which is not the cycle of things. No. Like we're at the we give them away part of the cycle. Well, I mean, you are unless you lose ten billion dollars to your primary metaverse competitor, and then the primary metaverse competitor doesn't have a product in the market. They're scared of them. If and you're ice cold, Mark Zuckerberg, this is when you flood the market with Quest devices. Yeah. So that when yep. Apple releases theirs, everyone's like, I don't need one. I, I mean, got that presumes he's ice cold. I, th- yeah. I think, especially on hardware, he is not like at all. If you listen to this speech, realistically, Alex, I don't think you belong at Meta. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I need to leave Meta. I'm, I'm not prepared to be there. But yeah, no, I think it makes sense why they did it. It's still really, really stupid if you do truly believe in the metaverse. But also, I think the metaverse is kind of stupid. So, like, I think we are so far away from his big dreams of that that ecosystem and that, like, way of interacting with the internet that, like, yeah, this is – like, well, but, okay, but think more. about it in a different way. Like, yeah, it's the metaverse and you have the Got Horizon Worlds and if you install, like, 45 helper apps on your laptop, you can take a meeting in VR. Yeah. With your screen shared to a fake laptop you look like that's a, in front of you, a Nintendo Me character. It's very good. I will say it, it is not. It's so complicated that it's not worth doing with any regularity. But installing all the if you have a Quest Two, yeah, installing all the various apps on your laptop so your screen gets shared into Horizon meetings or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. and then you're sitting in front of your real laptop, but you're wearing a headset and you see a virtual laptop that you're then typing on. You're like, wait, there's there's like. <laughs> There's something here, and I'm not sure if it's a good idea, but this is this is one of the dumbest, silliest technology hacks that I've ever participated in. Yeah. And if you're listening to this show, I think that appeals to you. Yeah. So, like, I recommend doing it at least once and just being like, this is the, like, the amount of, like, virtual dongles that are required to look <laughs> at your laptop in VR right now is, like, out of control. And if you have an Intel MacBook, which is when I did it, the fans are just like, I'm mad at you. Oh, you're yeah. not in a virtual reality. Listen to me in real reality. People just assume you're on a plane. <laughs> yeah, it's very bad. So all that aside, right, it's a game console. Yeah. What, what, what people do in there is they play games and they have in-app purchases and, like, it's the same thing. Like, it's an Xbox. Yeah. And Xbox sells inexpensive at first and get cheaper over time and they sell every unit at a loss and they make the money on the games. Yeah, but and I it's think, just weird that they haven't cra- – maybe they're not making enough money. I think the problem is that they're not thinking of it as a game console. I think I think they, they are thinking of it as this big window into the metaverse and they want people to adopt it because they want the metaverse to be created so that they can own the metaverse. And they're not thinking of it as the way like my nephew plays it. I came over to their house. I hadn't seen him in four years or something. I walk in and there's just this little kid in the corner with, a, with his headset on just going pew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's great, terrifying and great, and like that's what it is. It's it's little kids playing. It's it's me doing supernatural. Your wife doing supernatural. Like, it's it's people using it as a game console. Meta doesn't understand that, and then they continue to forget how game consoles work. Game consoles work where you release a cheaper version with like less cool stuff on it, and instead they're like, yeah, we're going to do the next version. It's going to be even more cool, and it's like. No, you you forget your life cycle. Like consoles yeah. now are lasting what six, ten years. They're very. They're two years into their life cycle. This is when they should be re- thinking about releasing a cheaper one. And instead, like okay, right. If, what you would do now is you would put out the Project Cambria, which is the next generation one, 
that would take over your old high price points and you would still sell the Quest 2 for $100 less. That to me is the thing that really jumps out about this is, is the only reason you wouldn't do that is if you couldn't do that. And there's just no way for me to look at this announcement and not think there is not a next move that is ready or even remotely close to ready. Well, they've been trying it off a lot, right? Zuckerberg is posting pictures of himself wearing prototypes. They've talked. I mean, they've talked yeah, about they, it. I mean, they're Heath they're working it. on a lot of stuff. There's prototypes for days, right? But I, like, there's plenty of next moves. But I'm just saying, like, to your point, like, this is now the moment where you release a thing that is five hundred dollars, and you either do the Apple move and keep selling the two at its current price, or like drop it by a hundred bucks and try to juice it option that way. But no, I think this, this is the is, moment where you release a cheaper, shittier version. They tried that though, and nobody wanted it. It was the Oculus Go, and it was junk. I, that was too shitty. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> calibrate. Calibrate the shittiness. You know, like Nintendo, how many iterations of the DS did we see? The 3DS. There was like, I think I have like seven that happened. all came out in like two years of each other. You, Just, bought, you bought all seven. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I made bad choices. I have way too many 3DSs and I'm like, I don't even play it that much. Like, what is my problem? Uh, look, I think there's like probably two things here. One, I think you're right that – they don't want it to just be a game console. They yeah. want it to be a computer, right? The vision is to replace a laptop or somehow connect via software dongles to your existing <laughs> extremely unhappy Intel MacBook. But they know it's a game console because they keep buying game companies. Like, again, mm-hmm. it's Meta. This is a company that measures everything. So they have to know that most people are gaming on this thing. Well, and they're including Beat Saber with it now if you buy it. Like, that's, that's a pretty strong indication that they know what you're doing when you turn on your headset. Yeah, they're, they're, that's they're the throwing first you thing. 30 bucks of Beat Saber. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to buy that Imagine Dragons, like, DLC. Right, a, ga- on- a game which is only truly fun if you buy the DLC music. <laughs> they got you. They're, they're like, we're going to make up that money on, on the back end. Um, uh-huh. But I will say they're blaming it on supply chain issues and – they probably can't subsidize this thing the way they were because their revenue is going down. Right. Yep. Then the next piece of VR news is th- we just – Alex Spence and Supernatural. I think Supernatural is the best non-game app on the Quest 2. It's a workout app. It's really great. fun. Boxing. It's basically like Beat Saber but Peloton. Peloton Beat Saber. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to describe it in any That's other way. That's perfect. That's precisely correct. Yeah. Uh, they're growing. They're doing well. A couple of months ago, several months ago – Meta went to go buy Within, which is a company that makes Supernatural. Somewhere around $400 million, I think, is a reported number. All cash deal. Great for Supernatural. And what struck me about it is the CEO of Within, Chris Milk, had been on Decoder, and he's like, fitness is a killer app for VR. My user base is like 50-50 men and women, and they're mostly over 40, and that's not VR gamers. Yeah. Right? That's people. So, like, what initiates you to buy a Quest if you're not a gamer or you're not a kid? It's this fitness game. Soros Meta goes to buy it, and the FTC yesterday sued to block that deal, saying Meta was rolling up all the VR game studios. Yeah. And what they should do, if they were truly being competitive, is turn Beat Saber into a fitness platform, which is <laughs> uh, it's like a one turn too many. You know, like. The, uh, what you should do is steal the good idea of the company you're buy- you want to buy and aren't allowed to. You're a cop. It, it, yeah. They were basically like, they should compete. Right, especially if you just like look at it. If you think Apple is coming, and we think Apple is coming with a product, if you're supernatural, you should be. Now you're in the catbird seat, right? You're like, this is the product that makes people buy a VR headset. Cut us a deal. Like, who's going to give us better terms? Who's going to grow our thing? If you're Apple, you're like, screw it. We'll just do Apple Fitness Plus VR, which is probably what Apple yep. too. Um, yep. And if you're Facebook, you're like, we're just going to buy you. And I think the FTC's argument is they're just 
buying their monopoly position. We screwed it up by letting them buy Instagram. We're not going to repeat that mistake because the FTC really – this version of the FTC really believes they screwed up by letting Facebook buy Instagram. They did. But Instagram at that time was like a ti- – it was like four people. They couldn't keep the lights on. They should have known better. So it's no. – <laughs> they should have known better. But there's all these documents from that acquisition where Zuckerberg is like, this is the next sharing mechanic. We need to own the mechanic. We're going to buy it and squeeze it and we'll have it. Yeah. And I think – we'll see what happens. I will just say Meta's response to this lawsuit, very funny. They were like, we looked into making our own fitness app and decided we were not in a position to do so. And it's like, you guys think you can make the whole metaverse? You couldn't make a workout game? I mean, Apple can't make a workout app. Well, well, it can. I love Apple Fitness. It's, they, but they made one. Yeah, that's true. They don't have to like, go out and buy. Like, you can make a thing. Yeah. Peloton is, uh, as we have discovered, one of the worst-run companies in America, and they like managed to do it. Um, it's just like great. Like that, that whole dynamic of they're in all this trouble. They need to pivot to whatever's next. The users don't want them to pivot. And now they might not even be able to acquire their way out of the mess. Just a hard mix. I mean, I just really am enjoying how much Meta is in the hot seat right now. It's it's not quite to the same levels of hubris as what Elon has been doing with Tesla. But there is like a certain level of hubris. There is a certain level of like you grew too fast. You thought you could control too much of the world. And now you're getting slapped by like reality. Yeah. And yeah, and there was there was the thing where the Meta's belief was always like our audience is enormous. Network effects, network effects, network effects. We're just going to buy the next thing at whatever price it costs, and we will win because we're bigger. And every single piece of that theory is like rapidly being tested. <laughs> they don't have the money to do it anymore. They don't have the like commanding lead and user base they once did. It's just like the invincible force field that made Facebook successful, no matter what it tried to do, is like rapidly starting to disappear. All that said, their revenue is only down 1%. They missed earning, but their yes. revenue was down 1%. They still made like 26 Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like when they lost users. It's like we went from all the users in the world to all the users in the world except for six. Yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> okay. We'll see. I will say that the, whenever I rant and rave about antitrust, someone pops up and is like, you know, big companies just fail on their own, right? You can just wait. And it's like, oh, is this that moment or is it, but Zuckerberg can't be replaced. No one can fire him. Yeah. I remind people this all the time. Every quarter, every time they have a shareholder vote, the shareholders of Facebook put forth a proposal to limit Zuckerberg's power, and he just votes against it, and it loses. <laughs> it's like one day he's going like, to accidentally hit the wrong dynamic. button. Um, all right. That's enough Facebook news. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Support for the podcast comes from Hims. Look, we all need help, but for some of us guys, it can be a real challenge to be so vulnerable. There are just some things we'd rather keep to ourselves. Hims knows how you feel, which is why they're looking to provide you the help you need discreetly. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. 
The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash verge. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash verge for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash verge. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. We're back. Let's do earnings. It's earnings season. Let's start, of course, with Apple. Apple did fine. They made money. Good job, Apple. I mean, y- yes and no. Like, Apple continued to make a lot of money. It's very funny when all these happen in the days together where you're like, oh, Facebook's a big business. And then Apple just shows up and is like, what's up? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you th- you thought Facebook was a cool business? Like, just slapping Check it. this out. We, yeah, we, we made eight Facebooks in, like, 12 minutes. Like, what's up, everybody? But yeah, Apple Apple made a lot of money. Profits are fine. They made $23 billion in operating cash flow. Like, they're going to be just fine. But the interesting thing is the iPhone revenue is up a little bit. Mac revenue is down 10%-ish. iPad revenue is down a bit. Wearable revenue is down a bit. And service revenue is way up. And evidently, the thing Apple is blaming is is like all the same like foreign exchange rates that that other companies have been talking about. Like, when the euro goes down... They lose money in ways that I confess to just really not totally understanding at all. But currencies are a thing. <laughs> and also that the supply chain has been a thing, which we've been tracking for months, right? Like the a new Apple product goes on sale and like instantly you can't buy it for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And this is it, – it is apparently starting to hit pretty hard. Yeah. So the Mac sale drop is interesting, right? There's a new MacBook Air. So you would assume they announced it. We're in that weird window between quarters. Yeah. They announced the thing. You would expect – MacBook Air sales to drop ahead of the new one, which didn't come out until just now into this quarter. So that makes sense. But our friend Steve Kovach at CNBC tweeted, he just got the phone with Tim Cook. He says, the 10% drop in Mac sales is supply constraints and foreign exchange, Hmm. which you could still sort of peg to the MacBook Air because it's hard to get. Yeah. Right. Sold out like right away. Uh, It's a new design. It's just not out yet. But overall, that that supply chain issue is starting to catch up to Apple on the Mac side, too. Yeah. And Apple has been more immune to this over the last couple of years than most. And, like, we've given Apple a lot of credit for, like, being the one in charge of its supply chain in such a way that when everybody else got squeezed, Apple just, like, giggled and kept making iPhones. And, yeah, you get the sense it, it, it has finally come for everybody. Steve also says Cook told him the impact of the supply chain was less and four to eight billion they warned last quarter, but they wouldn't say how much. Of course they wouldn't. They had no numbers anywhere in this. this Never is like numbers. The most ambiguous financial document I've ever read. He also said <laughs> Apple will be deliberate in hiring, but wouldn't call it a slowdown. So Apple's feeling it. Yeah. But what's interesting yeah. is services are up, right? They're getting better at milking every iPhone customer for more money. Love is, that Ted yep. Lasso. <laughs> what a guy. We'll see. Like we're expecting all this stuff in September. Mm. Right, new watches, new iPhones, new AirPods—all the all the lines that are down are like some combination of supply chain, the end of the cycle, and new ones yep. coming. Like the end of long cycles. Like the AirPods have been out for a while, right? Like the watch, the basic design of the watch has been the same since the beginning. 
Like we're, we're expecting big changes and that's typically what Apple does well. The question is whether they can build enough stuff. Right. But they made $83 billion. Yeah, like Apple's, Apple's going to be just fine. But yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think the, the question of like these sort of increased upgrade cycles too is the other one that it's been like, okay, when is this going to come back and actually make a meaningful difference to Apple that people don't upgrade their phone every year or every two years? Instead, it's like every four or five years. And again, there, there's just no way to know what's what and what accounts for things. But I think like the last two quarters of this year are going to be really interesting for exactly the reason you just described. Like, is there still a gigantic audience for any new iPhone, even if it's basically the same as the last four iPhones? It just like makes blurrier portraits. <laughs> <laughs> but only in some spots. We'll see. Just a smudge. All right, let's talk about the rest of earnings. It is just earnings season all over the place. Microsoft in a weird spot, David? What do you think? Yeah, Microsoft is like, it's a weird time because we're sort of at this moment at the end of like the pandemic crest where we're trying to figure out like who is in actual bad shape or who is in regular shape and all the numbers from the last two years have been nuts. So like Microsoft's revenue is up. The like top line numbers are all pretty good. But like PC shipments have been way down. So the Windows OEM revenue, which is like the money that Microsoft gets from hardware manufacturers who make Windows computers, is down. Xbox hardware is down. LinkedIn is up because LinkedIn is just, you just, you can't. <laughs> that's where there's no, business, man. There's no yeah, stop. That's just me. Yeah. That's all Neil. LinkedIn up 26%. That's the Patel bump, baby. <laughs> Think fluence in all day. They just heard we're going to put decoder on LinkedIn. And they're like, oh man, <laughs> just turn it up. Turn up the knob. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who runs LinkedIn, but he's got a knob. <laughs> His name was like Mark something, wasn't it? Mark LinkedIn. Yeah, you always, you'd get the emails from him when LinkedIn first started. They'd always be like, it's Mark. And you're like, oh. Like Tom from MySpace. Yeah, he's like Tom from MySpace. <laughs> Somebody wants to connect with you and talk about business. And it's just him giving a thumbs up. Uh, is Xbox hardware down because they can't ship enough Xboxes? Well, it's so it's two things. It's that, and it's also that the most recent Xboxes are now two years old, and there was always going to be a time when they stopped selling in such like absurd volume. And that's basically what Microsoft said. They're like, this is just they're not new anymore. But also, there's the supply chain thing, and this is the weird moment that we're in. Is there's like there's the big macroeconomic stuff going on right now, inflation. Everybody's worried about a recession. There's all that stuff. There is like where we are in the pandemic moment. There's the where we are in the supply chain moment. And so, what's what, and what is causing what is like a big, complicated, messy questions that all of these companies are trying desperately to figure out. Like, do we have a real problem or is it just a weird time to be alive is a really hard and difficult thing to suss out right now for a lot of these companies. And I think like the Xbox thing is a perfect example of that. Yeah. I think in general, though, the everyone went to work from home. They bought a bunch of PC stuff. The other earnings that I was looking at this week were Logitech, which were... yeah. We don't usually pay a lot of attention to logic earnings, but they were like, okay, mice and keyboards, super weird flat, webcams still up, corporate video conferencing going back up. And like everyone's like looking, I was on CNBC and they were like trying to figure out what it meant. And it was just like, just sprockets were like springing out of people's <laughs> brains. Yeah. You know, like, what does this mean? Corporate video conferencing scriptments going back. Does that mean we're all going back to the office? Do I need to throw my computer away? Like, so, I don't know. No, everybody got to the office. They're like, wait, why is the, the box sticky? Oh, God. And it's time to get Jesus, rid of it. Just, Alex is just trolling me. So Alex and I are in the office together today. We are. And every piece of AV equipment in our every conference room is, like, broken in, like— Sticky. Just, like, disaster ways. 
<laughs> we just got to buy some new Logitech stuff. That's the answer. Um, so that's yeah, Microsoft. The they're, they're doing fine, right? Like revenue is up, but Windows and Xbox yep. are falling. And it, it seems like that's part of that shift. But like, as you said, David, no one knows. Uh, we already talked about Meta, Google slash Alphabet. Very strange position. Alphabet's the weirdest company to me. And it's like, oh, the ad business. Very good. <laughs> the end. All the time. That's all you really need to know about Alphabet is like they sold some ads more than anybody else doing just fine. But then like YouTube's revenue growth is slowing down a bit, which is interesting. They're still just pouring money into all of their other bets. Like Google Cloud continues to lose a ton of money. All of the like far out, you know, Waymo's of the world are losing money. So it's Google has this like one just like unfathomably gigantic business that seems absolutely unstoppable. And then it's just like bleeding money at various degrees through every other part of the company. It's nuts. It's what gets me is Google. We saw like snap had bad earnings and they're like, this Apple stuff really hurt us. People are not doing it. Shopify had layoffs because people weren't buying as much stuff mm-hmm. online anymore. Anymore meta losing $10 billion because the Apple privacy changes. Google's like, we're good actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it turns out we run every web browser in the world. So yeah, a lot of people have Gmail accounts. Turns yeah. out monopolies, great. great. Well, just, they don't have the they don't have the cookie problem. Like yeah, they have not been allowed to own Chrome on iOS. Since <laughs> Apple's like, no, you're not doing that. They pay Apple for that search placement. So then you go into Google on your iPhone. I mean, this is where like Apple's stuff like really falls apart. Like Apple's privacy stuff. They pay to have Google as default search on your iPhone. So then your IP address, or if you're logged into Google, your Google account is searching for stuff, and that data is not third-party data for Google. Right. It is Google's data. It's Google's first-party data that they're collecting on you when you search on your iPhone because it's the default search provider. And then you use your Chrome on your desktop. They can collect all the data, and they can match it up, and they can deliver the ads, and then they can track the conversions into sales just as well as they ever could. But what about if you use Microsoft Edge? Well, you're still logged into Google. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like, that's the game that Google is yeah. playing. Like, they've gotten you logged into Google. The problem for Meta is, like, you have the Facebook app on your phone. That's their data. Mm-hmm. They are not allowed to track you off of Facebook onto whatever retailer you might be shopping on and saying, you saw this ad, and then you went and bought this, and we can match up the cookies and we know that this ad sent you into this site on your browser or wherever you are. And that's what killed their business because their ad effectiveness went down. Mm-hmm. Google just, like, does not have this problem. And so every time Google makes noise about, like, removing cookies or, like, doing whatever Apple does, like, it's, like, very backwards. You would not expect it. But, like, the European antitrust regulators, like, you can't do that because then no one will be able to compete with you. Yeah. Yeah, a world in which third-party data is not allowed is, like, the best possible case scenario for Google because it has the most first-party data. Google doesn't care about what you do when you leave its platforms because you never leave its platforms. Yes. <laughs> like, you just you just basically can't like and then you like forget about Apple like Android. Oh, they own Android, which 90% of the smartphones on planet Earth use. Like it's just their lead just gets bigger every time anybody cracks down on any of this stuff. Yeah. Their profit did go down a little bit though. So, you know, they only made 16 billion in profit this past quarter, so they probably spent extra 2 for billion on Waymo cars. <laughs> Um, we got to hire Dieter somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dieter's bag. That's like a line. <laughs> Dieter bag. Uh, I don't know. It's, they're in a weird like, – if there is actually a recession, which nobody knows, 
and consumer spending goes down and advertising spend goes down, then Google is like exposed. But that's, it's, it's just weird. It's not happening the way people think it is. Uh, David, you picked this one up. The Comcast numbers, disclosure, Comcast investor in Vox Media, which is on Suffrage. They're not going to be happy we talked about this. Just rest assured. But you picked up some interesting stuff in the Comcast numbers. Yeah, so basically there's been this interesting thing happening to these companies where they're all desperate to keep selling you cable boxes. They're all desperate to get into streaming and they're all desperate to keep selling you internet. And the internet continues to be the thing that like funds the rest of it, right? They're like, these other things don't have to work as long as people keep paying a lot of money for internet connection. Uh, It turns out in Comcast cases, all three of those things are going kind of badly at the moment. They're still bleeding cable subscribers because everybody's bleeding cable subscribers. But the broadband subscribers that they have was flat from the last quarter for I think the first time ever. And the number of Peacock subscribers is also flat, which is a scary thing for like a relatively small upstart trying to spend a lot of money on like The Office and friends to get people to subscribe to its relatively new thing. So like spend a lot of money on those, right? Like I think Peacock's big problem is that they haven't spent a lot of money on original programming. Like they've got Yellowstone, which for some reason, even though it should be on Paramount, they ended up buying it, and Paramount's on record saying, we shouldn't have given them those <laughs> streaming rights. That was stupid. They've got, like, Yellowstone, they've got Office, they've got, like, what, really bad British science fiction shows that I watched they for some the reason. They thought the Olympics were going to be their thing, and then it yeah. turned out that the, the streaming Olympics— They felt uh, like sports and friends and the office was going to carry them. A perfect Venn diagram yeah, I would, of my interests. Yeah. <laughs> I would frame the money thing slightly differently, though, because the even if it's true, like they they already own the office, right? So they don't have to like pay more money for yeah. that. But the amount of money that you're leaving on the table, not licensing right. Friends and The Office and Parks and Rec and some of these other shows to other streamers, is massive. Like the, those deals are worth a ton of money. So it's like they're they're spending less for sure, but there, there's a lot of money that they're putting into the the sort of peacock bucket. Wait, wait, anyway, no. This, yeah. Yes, you're dead correct, but it's even worse because of the way these companies <laughs> are structured. NBCU paid $500 million to take the office off of Netflix. Yes. Because of how their oh, internal wow. accounting works. So, like, so it did pay for its own show. Oh, yeah. so they, they, they threw some money at it. Yep. Universal Television had to hold an auction and like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and potentially Apple reportedly were like in the auction. So then if you're the big boss, you're like – no, like we're not leaving the money on the table. <laughs> yeah, you've got to you've got to pay up. So like, even in like the case where it's all one thing, they end up paying the money, and like, yikes, they need to, and they need to spend a lot more money. They're very forthcoming that to make the service work, they need hits. So they're just gonna like spend money on hits. People, need yeah, like, to can watch you name it. any Peacock originals? I can think of one. Ooh, um, the really great British one about the all girl band. That's the only one I can think of, too. Girls 5 Eva. No, there, there's two of them, then. There's, um, oh, there's another one? There's another one, which was... Uh, oh, I have to look it up. Hold on. Girls 5 Eva is excellent, by the way. Everyone should watch it. When do you when do you two find time to do this? <laughs> it's like it's like the boo bitch of Peacock, <laughs> I would say. I just, like, I look at these titles. I, I went and looked at, at, at boo bitch after last week, <laughs> and I just thought to myself, I'm not giving you this hour. Like, I'm not getting younger. You know, like I got a daughter, like we're going to, I'm going to go talk to her. We're not talking about boo bitch. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) She's four. I don't, I don't think that would go over. What's she watching on Peacock right now? She's not watching Peacock. She's watching Gabby's Dollhouse on Netflix, which she loves very much. She's watching Bluey on Disney Plus. But because of Gabby's Dollhouse, 
Uh, she has taken to calling all things that seem like chemistry spa science. <laughs> this is like a real thing from the show, uh, which is very funny because Creighton, who is the producer of Decoder, worked on Gabby's Dollhouse. And he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so like most of their big ones, they, they had Vigil, which was the one about the woman who was at a traumatic car accident where she nearly drowned. And they said, hey, do you want to go investigate a murder on a submarine? And she said, yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> cool. She wasn't. But, but, but like, tell us about what they have now. What do they have oh, coming up? Nothing, right? Like, They've got to have something coming up. I'm, I'm looking. We Are Lady Parts was the British band show. I will say, if they had something coming up that they were super excited about, you would think it would have come up on the earnings call. And instead, all they talked about was being in a, it was like, I think a content crunch was the phrase oh that they use. And it's like, that's not where you want to be. Yeah, I think they, they really thought they were going to do this weird mix of what Netflix has been doing, where they buy up a lot of international shows. So they were specifically buying up a lot of British shows. So all these shows that were airing in Britain, they were like, were there Peacock originals in the United States? And then they they were like, well, we're going to do kind of what CBS and what Apple had done and really go in on big budget Peacock originals, but they were all bad. So it was like Bel Air, which I think we reviewed. Charles reviewed it and was like, it's fine. No, no, Charles hated Bel Air. Did he? Hated it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he just said he was excited about it to me. You know, he was – I think everyone was excited about Bel Air is a show uh, – just total tangent. It was like a fan project mm-hmm. to make a – Joker, gritty, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. <laughs> and so they cut a trailer, and then Will Smith was like, I'm going to make this for real. And then it came out, and it turns out that's not a great idea. No. And then they've got Rutherford Falls, which critically very, like, everybody loves it. It's a really great show. I don't know how many people are acting. Have you heard of Rutherford Falls? You could Falls? be saying, you two could say the names of anything to me, and I would believe oh, they, they, had the, they had the they had the Tiger King made for a See, TV that's fake. show. You just made that up. They oh, had yeah. MacGruber. That's fake, too. Yeah. That was already a fake show. <laughs> <laughs> they had Curious George. That's real. I That's believe real. it. All right. Uh-huh. It, it's time to readjust the Go90 scale of Doom streaming services. <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh. So Netflix, for the long time, was at zero. So the scale is from zero to 90. Yeah. 90 is uh-huh. dead. Yeah. Quibi hit 90. Mm-hmm. The scale is named after Go90, Verizon's failed streaming service, uh, which it went 90 immediately. Uh, that was the one where, like, Verizon executives were like, what the kids want to do is join gangs on streaming apps. Like, that was, like, legitimately how they <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> like, our social features are called gangs. Like, I don't remember what it was. It was on the order of that. Go 90, went 90. Dead. Quibi, 90. Dead. I have long said Netflix is a zero. Mm-hmm. Netflix is ticked up to, like, 20. Oh, that right? high. No, that's too high. You think it's, so, I think it's, like, Five to ten. Five to ten. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Right, so Netflix was default alive. It's zero. Yeah. And you're saying it's yeah. five to ten. Five to ten, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think Disney Plus is the new zero right now. Disney Plus is the new zero, you think? Yeah. I think so. All right. I mean, I I think Disney – yeah. HBO Max was living at like 30 to 40 for when it launched. Just a real mess. Mm-hmm. I would say they're solidly in that zero to ten range again. Yeah. Agreed. Especially because they're going to put out Game of Thrones in 4K and we're going to see if that fixes it. It won't. We're all going to watch that show again in 4K HDR and then we're all going to get to the last season and be like, why did I spend my time on this? (laughs) And then House of the Dragon is going to come out. Like that's how that's going to go. (laughs) I'm ready for that. Peacock feeling like it's at 45. I think that's right. I would say it's almost higher. A little higher. Like it's not going to fail. NBC Universal needs it to not fail. Every single broadcaster is trying to own streaming, 
and own their own streaming service instead of getting in bed with Hulu, which Peacock was originally part of. Yeah. So. I oh, Hulu is at like 20. Yeah. Well, Hulu's like, ABC. Yeah, Hulu's because a- everybody forgets about Hulu. No, like, Hulu is like knows the one. Hulu, Hulu for the longest time was the closest to any because the people who owned Hulu hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one of them were like, we don't want to own you. We yeah. want to destroy you. And then Hulu's like, but we persist. We persist. Uh, but they've, they've come around because they're owned by Disney. That's yeah. That's where Disney's in. Peacock, like CB, or NBC Universal got out of business with Hulu. They, they started Peacock. And I think they're just struggling to figure out how streaming is different than broadcast. Like, I think Paramount figured it out pretty quickly when it was still CBS All Access. I'm sorry I'm a Paramount fangirl. Honestly, again, again. It just, it's it's like Plex and Paramount Plus. I, Paramount know. Plus Alex is going to go for – I think Paramount Plus is like over 45 right now. Uh, I, no, I would say it's way lower than Peacock. <laughs> this is I mean, this is why we have the scale. It's to have yeah. these debates, but I, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> you're wrong. It's all right. It's fine. But when Top Gun Maverick comes out, Paramount Plus. Just shoom. That, no, that is the day they realized they did not build a tech stack for any demand. <laughs> Right, right now yes. they might be doing fine because, like, like you know, Star Trek nerds are doing Star Trek things. I'm watching Evil, but like, great. Maverick is going to hit, and everyone's going to be like, "All right, I'm signing up for Paramount Plus," and like, a data center somewhere is going to be like, "We're on fire." <laughs> <laughs> you didn't buy enough of us. <laughs> like, Tom Cruise will save us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. All right, so that's Comcast, the delightful Go ninety scale, which is end with Spotify. Which has blessedly been trying to <laughs> shift its revenue from music to podcasting for uh, 400 years. Yeah, we've gone through uh, two different podcast reporters. The times. <laughs> uh, God bless Ashley Carmen, she's Bloomberg now. Ariel Shapiro now writing Hot Pod, Sign Up for Hot Pod. It's great. They're still where they are. Spotify is just losing money because they lose money every time you play a song, <laughs> and then everyone still thinks they don't pay artists enough. I was trying to think if I could come up with a company that is like a, a good analog for. Spotify, because Spotify is like objectively a music service that knows for sure that it will never make any money being a music service, and so it's it it's now trying to figure out like okay we've we've been very successful as a music service but we can't make a nickel doing it so how do we find other ways to make money around it so like even just this week they closed their deal for an audiobook company called Findaway for which ended up costing them I think one hundred and twenty three million dollars. They hired a new person to do fiction podcasts. They're all in on podcasts. They've been saying this for years, and that continues to seem both like a gigantic like cultural mess internally and not that good a business. It's just like they they started to do the car thing and then stopped making it. I'm kind of sad I never bought one. But the little like, dongle. Yeah, it's and it's just like what is what is Spotify? It's it's gonna end up being this like ultra successful, super cool thing that never makes any money for anyone. Spotify's going to get, like, nationalized. By, like, like, Sweden? Yeah, Sweden's just going to be like, you know, we we own you. Don't, sh- this is now <laughs> Sweden. Like, the EU is going to be like, we need one tech company. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's yeah. it's <laughs> not Nokia. But the world, the world needs music. <laughs> <laughs> Siemens, we don't even know what they do. It's Spotify. Um, but, right, the economics of Spotify, or you pay Spotify however much money you pay them a month, 15 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month, whatever the tier. I don't even know. I don't pay for Spotify. That's why I don't know. Um, <laughs> Apple Music till I die because of the uh, lossless, which Spotify won't do. But you pay Spotify however much money a month. Every time you play a song, Spotify gives some of your money to them. It's just a bad, it's a bad deal. Yeah. Like they're like, well, yeah, you- our choices are we can ask the people for more money, which they can't <laughs> do because Apple and Amazon will just ruthlessly undercut them at every turn. Yep. Or we can pay less money to the artists, which they can't do. 
because then like Taylor Swift yells at you. And then, or Jay Z is like, I'm gonna do title, right? And then, like, Jack Dorsey's like, What if I bought title? And then no one knows what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like legitimately how that went. Um, That's about right. So, like, they're just in this hard spot where their margins are fixed unless they can find something else. And they're like, Okay, well, we'll do Joe Rogan. So then you pay us however much money, 10, 15 bucks a month. When you listen to Joe Rogan, we've already paid him. So we're not giving some of your money to Joe Rogan. We've already given him the money. And if you, lots of people, Listen, Joe Rogan. We'll recoup all that cost, and we won't have to give all that money away. So, like, that's the strategy. It's just not working as far, as near as I can tell. I think that's right, and there's really no evidence that any of that is going to work. Right? Like, audiobooks have never been a gigantic business. Podcasts have never been a gigantic business. This podcast is a gigantic business. Enormous. Well, yeah, We're on TikTok now. Uh, <laughs> Follow us on TikTok. <laughs> You can't. It's for you. It's, exactly it's on the right. verge. Follow the verge on TikTok. <laughs> Follow yeah. the verge. On Decoders TikTok. on TikTok. I'm not allowed to mention. Oh my that god! Shit. Forbidden. What? I've never heard of it. <laughs> uh, but they're just making all these bets that they can squeeze money out of things that no one has ever proven there's money in. And I sort of admire the effort. And like they, what were the numbers? They have 433 million users and 188 million paid subscribers. Like those are both giant numbers. That is like. Bigger than Netflix as as far as like right, overall subscribers go, right? Like they're huge and they lost $127 million in the last quarter. It's like may, maybe we're trending in the wrong direction, <laughs> friends. Uh, I don't know. And I just I, – I'm, I'm sort of at the point where it's like what is there a move here? And they've made all these bets. They tried to go into the clubhouse thing. They bought this company Locker Room. Then they called it Green Room and now it's Spotify Live. And if you, listener to the Vergecast, have ever used Spotify Live – I would love to hear about it and and all your experiences because that is an app I forgot existed until just right now this second. And I just don't know what like. Yeah. Do you think they're going to like maybe just fight the RIAA? Just be like, I don't know. We want to pay less for these. No, no, no. The the Hulu thing. All the labels are investors in Spotify. Oh. Like Spotify Mm. is like a zombie in that way. Like the labels can be mad at Spotify, but ultimately they're paying themselves like. And it's important that they have that hedge against Amazon and Apple. Mm-hmm. But do you notice? You know, Amazon has a dominant position in country music. Yes, because of Garth Brooks. Because of Garth Brooks, they signed a Garth Brooks exclusive. Huh. And they, now every country music fan in America is an Amazon music subscriber. They had the need to feel the thunder. <laughs> Incredible Garth Brooks song. Why did I open this door? You with just, Alex? you just, you. <laughs> Alex is like, like full Texas. Like my hat just came on. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm on a horse in the studio. Liam's very upset. Sorry, Liam. Full horse. <laughs> Never go full horse. Um, but if they, they screw around, Apple and Amazon can, you know, they can just, Apple can just subsidize the music service. Yeah. They don't need the money. But Spotify does. And the labels need Spotify to exist as a hedge against Apple so they can negotiate against Apple. So, like, it's like a ghost, a zombie, a mummy. Like, it's just like, it's just stumbling through a haunted house of the music industry, <laughs> like bumping into walls. And everyone's like, just don't fall down the stairs. <laughs> just holding hands with Rihanna. Yeah. Uh, All right, that's enough earnings. Let's take a break and do a lightning round. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, 
and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard, where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. All right, we're back. We got to end with some gadgets. It's been all earnings and Peacock. It's <laughs> some <laughs> <laughs> feelings about Instagram and Go90, which is great. That's us. That's who we are. We cared about Peacock more in this podcast than anybody who actually has ever thought about subscribing. I have spent more time talking about Peacock than watching Peacock <laughs> at this point in time. Uh, all right, let's do a lightning round. So iOS 16 beta continues to roll out ahead of presumably iOS 16 in September. Some changes. The public betas are out. They're being updated. Apple rolled out editable iMessages. And then they, I think they rolled it out without a message history. And they quickly realized that they should have a message history. Those are important. Yes. Yeah. And they also shrunk the amount of time in which you can edit. I think it was 15 minutes before and now it's two. Uh, Or maybe that was for the sending. To be honest, like what's an unsend versus what's an edit is a fun philosophical distinction about messages. But it's kind of great. It gives you the edit history. It gives you these like increasingly sort of transparent versions of your message as they scroll up. I really like it. It's really nice. It's the thing. It's the lock-in city. I love it. I use it. Oh, absolutely. It's the most beautiful jail in all of technology. I'm so excited to find out how trash it looks if you have an Android person in your group chat. Like the thing that shows up that's like the, the message you get that's like so-and-so loved and then shows your message again. Like this is going to be even worse. I can't wait. Amazing. Uh, new home app in iOS 16. Gentui wrote a review of it, not a preview. Some things are better. It's not out yet, so it's not really a review. We're very weird. We're, We're in that weird space. Of, about these words. Uh, but a preview of it because it's not in public beta. Better, better design, some confusing decisions. Apple doesn't know, like, what people want to do with their smart home, which is, like, mostly, like, automate things. Yes. Yep. And they, that's the part where it's, I think it's the weakest. I think you see with, like, all of these smart home apps that they're very clearly made by software developers, software engineers, and not by, like, normal random people. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are normal, too. But, you know, it's, it's made by people whose brains think a very particular way. And so unless you're thinking like a software engineer, it's hard to use these things. And Apple still struggles with it. Yeah. I would say the one note from Jen's piece that really jumped out to me, they've redesigned the buttons that you tap to turn lights on and off. But now the buttons, without any delineation, have two buttons contained within each tile. No. So if you click on the left side, 
That's where you turn the light on and off. And if you accidentally click on the right side, you get the menu. <laughs> I don't like that. And it's like, what? <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's, a, that's just this like. This is why long presses exist. This is long no, presses. No, the long press now puts you into jiggle mode so you can move all the tiles around. Oh, God. It's real good. <laughs> it's real good. Um, obviously, this is all because of matter. So there's some hope that matter will continue to happen. Yeah. <laughs> can matter fix the menu button? Matter will, is that, no, is that but like you'll doing? get more device types in there. No, this is all th- – they want you to go out and they want you to get the HomePod Mini so that you never use the buttons because you're always shouting at no, you know sorry, who. Sorry. I can't say her name out loud. My watch will activate. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not speaking her name. Uh, but, but speaking of HomeKit, uh, Wirecutter came out hard – was it last week? Against HomeKit Secure Video. Oh, real hard. They were like, do not buy a camera with HomeKit Secure Video. It's bad and it's crap and none of it works. It's like <laughs> that's, uh, that's hard for the Wirecutter. That's, I mean it's fairly accurate. I have one that's been f- sitting face down for like three months. I don't know why I still have it plugged in. It always is like, it's recording. I'm like, what is it recording? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, other lightning news, this fight between Dish Network 5G and SpaceX <laughs> continues to be my, my literally the funniest thing that we cover on the site. I mean, it is like so esoteric, right? It's like two companies with networks, like tiny networks compared to the Comcast of the world, fighting, like filing white papers at each other at the FCC <laughs> about the future of broadband. It's like, you guys... Uh, so Dish wants to use 12 gigahertz for whatever future 5G it can dream up. I would just point out to everyone, it's supposed to be building a 5G network now and has not done so. Well, it, it can't because it's got to use the 12G. That so many phones right. support. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Um, and Starling says this is bad. And if Dish is allowed to do this, quote, the band would become unusable. It would potentially end Starlink service for customers. So shouldn't SpaceX have, I don't know, gone out and, and, and bought the ban if they were going to need to use it? Well, they – so if the FCC opened up the band, mm-hmm. like satellite – this is a satellite band. So they've been using it yeah. for satellite uses. Yeah. They have the access to it. But then the FCC was like, we should open up this band because most satellite companies are garbage. What if we did better stuff with it? And Dish was like – yeah, we're going to use it we for a 5G network, which okay. definitely exists. I just know that Starlink did not lo- ask for a lot of permission from, like, federal international regulators when they started rolling out Starlink. They were just like, yeah, move fast, break things. And I would not be surprised if— Let me just give you this quote. This is how petty <laughs> this fight is. Starlink sent out an email to all of its customers. Okay. Tell the FCC this is bad. Okay. And then the SpaceX Senior Director of Satellite Policy, which is a great title, by the way, Dave Goldman. Would love to talk to you, Dave, if you're listening. His quote, we haven't seen anything from either Dish or Dell. Dell, by the way, is part of this Dish thing. Love we haven't it. seen anything from either Dish or Dell where they've been able to get any customers to file in support of their service. Likely, that is because they don't really have a service. <laughs> it's just ice cold. It's, it's great. Mitchell. It's just Mitchell. <laughs> it's just Mitchell. Dude. This person is definitely a pseudonym. This is, this is Elon Musk's Starlink burner account yeah. sending you this email. Um, anyway... Dish and a consortium of other companies, which are known as the 5G for 12 gigahertz coalition, uh, responded yeah. to this pet equally petty. They've argued they're saying SpaceX sent a manipulated filing to the FCC and quote, this tactic, which is commonly used by Elon Musk, is not only disingenuous, but it promulgates an anti-5G narrative that is harmful to American consumers. 
5G's here to save us. <laughs> it's like, dude, have you talked to anybody with a 5G phone? They will promulgate an anti-5G <laughs> narrative. <laughs> This has to go to Chancery Court. It's the only. It's the only, only solution. It's, it's like we have to go to Chancery most, Court. The lowest stakes, pettiest fight. I cannot get enough of it. God bless you. If anybody from the five G for twelve gigahertz coalition wants to come on this show, we will welcome you with open arms. <laughs> or Elon. I feel like Goldman is like Elon, and he's just going to wear a different, like a mustache. He's going to show up to Chancery Court wearing a little <laughs> mustache and be like, "No, no, I'm not Elon Musk." He's going to wear his Wario costume from when he was on. Yeah. SNL. No Show customer support this network amazing. because they have no network. <laughs> <laughs> all right. David, last one. You fell down one of the funniest Verge rabbit holes of all time with, with this <laughs> video conferencing story where Biden has like a startup Zoom gadget and then you found what all the other presidents use. Yeah, this uh, ate my weekend in a way that I'm not really proud of. But basically, like Joe Biden tweets a picture of himself sitting at a desk in the residence you know, having COVID, living large. He's got a mask in front of him, a coffee cup next to him, and this, like, unbelievably cool-looking video conferencing board on, like, a wheelable easel there. And I was just like, what is this thing, and why is Joe Biden's Zoom setup so sick? So I spent what I would say is, like, an inappropriate amount of time looking at YouTube and Getty Images and official White House press pools to see. I learned a lot about how presidents video conference. Um, and they all turn off self-view, which I thought was very, like, responsible of them. Because uh, nobody wants to look at themselves when they're on video conference. And the presidents know that. But yeah, it turns out Joe Biden is using this thing from this, like, tiny two-year-old company in Oslo, Norway. It's called the Neat Board. And the one he has costs $7,000. Mm. And it's awesome. And I apparently, like, blew up this company's email inbox by writing about them this week. So to, to everyone at Neat, I'm very sorry for doing oh, this to you. happy with you. Uh, but yeah, but Joe Biden, the White House is all in on Zoom, has been for a bunch of years now. And he's just he's just tearing it up and he's got it. He can spin it on wheels so it can either focus on his desk in the Oval Office or he can spin it around and have it on the couch. And it's just like guy knows what's up. Like kudos to the White House. This is like the one thing they've accomplished. I just want to point that out. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean, you don't have to get your agenda done as long as you look I good mean, on camera. Not getting your agenda bill? done. I'm sorry. It's pronounced the chips and science bill. Oh, sorry. Which is very funny because <laughs> there was actually I think a representative tweeted that like we. We backronymed salsa and we didn't get there. They could have called it the chips and salsa bill. Uh, so, like, as we're speaking, by the way, uh, it's, they were so close. They're so they close. Chips and science. So, they, yes, it is true. The Senate passed it, the House passed it. It's going to Biden. Big investment in mm-hmm. semiconductor manufacturing. And so this is like happening as, as we speak. Yeah. Very good. And apparently there's some sort of climate bill, but that hasn't been signed yet. So, they've done two things. Other than that, it's like mostly he has a cool video conferencing setup. <laughs> but it's very cool. It's true. I want to get one. All right. We're over, as always. It never ceases to amaze. It's been a good one. I enjoyed my time with it's you. It's fun. I like being in the office, everybody. Okay. That's it. We'll be back on Wednesday. Dave, what's happening Wednesday? What is happening Wednesday? I'm going to be on vacation in Miami. So we're doing a whole episode on like the work from anywhere life. We talked to Thomas Ricker, who is our official van life correspondent. We did a bunch of stuff on space internet. We're going to go even deeper on the 5G dish Starlink stuff. So get excited about that. And then there will probably be a long time of just me lying in a pool telling everyone how cool my life is. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so look forward to that. All right. Uh, you can tweet at us. We love hearing from you. I'm at Reckless David's at Pierce. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. And then Decoder next week, uh, our friend Hank Green going to be on the show. It's going to be really good. Talk about bitching about YouTube. Whew, we're going to get into it. It's going to be good. Uh, that's it. 
Rock and roll. Thanks for listening to this week's show. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at vergecast@theverge.com. And if you liked the show, share it with a friend. Vergecast is a production of The Verge and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode was produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. Our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. That's it. We'll see you next week. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.